Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families, centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, here on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room, everybody. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, John Gordon and Mari Cleveland. One at a time, guys. How are you? I'm awesome. I, too, am awesome. (laughs) In looking at today's show, uh, I would say we have a little bit of a different guest on. This is cool, yeah. With relation to, you know, he's a music coordinator at Steubenville, and he's a very talented musician. But the discussion today is really about just bearing witness right where you live. Mm-hmm. And in this case, how music can really impact when we deal with life events, I think, is, is how I would f- phrase that. You know, you've listened to his music. I know, Mari, you've had a, a brief conversation uh, with John Paul Von Ark. How do you, what do you think? What do you think of the topic? What do you feel about it? I am so encouraged by John Paul and his um, his like you just said, the fact that he bears witness. He bears witness to answering God's call in his life, to following the gifts that God's given him, but following the gifts while not letting go of his love for Jesus, right? Because he's following his gifts in a, in secular um, places and still bearing witness to Jesus in his life. And he's also using his gifts in very Catholic places and still bearing witness to Christ in his life. So I love that, that there's, he still is pure and true to who he is, even though, um, you know, the, the environment he can be in or the situations he finds himself in just because of the changes in life, like all of us. Um, And I think it's a great, great witness. Because country music, as well as Christian music, Christian correct? Music, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. John, what are your thoughts, Brian? I love the fact that it's music. Any kind of music is moving to me. And if I can have a few quiet minutes, sometimes just in the dark with good music, it can be as much prayer for me as anything else. And so mm-hmm. I'm just psyched to hear about John Paul. The other piece that I really like is just listening to his song about his brother Sam. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. It offered a perspective that you would expect to get from the song. John Paul, tell us if that was his intention or not. But it also made me stop and think about how important it is just to think about people in your lives a particular way, like not to brush things off or to assume things. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I found point. some insight in, into it that I thought was really helpful. And I'm anxious to hear John Paul's thoughts no, on that. Great yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that, that... Um, each person in your life is a gift yeah, and maybe yeah. a gift mm-hmm. in a way you didn't expect. And, and yeah. yeah. And the way, yeah. the way he treats it was just inspirational for me. Yeah. And no, that's for awesome. more than just that unique. So John, you just said music is prayer <laughs> to you. Well, you are our prayer <laughs> warrior here. So would you open us up with some prayer? I would love to. Thanks. In the name of the father and the son of the Holy spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly father, there's so many things in this world that are beautiful and, and they remind us of you and they take us to you. We give you thanks and praise for those things. St. Augustine said to sing is to pray twice, and, and we, we have a chance to, to hear music, to be with music, to understand the role of music in a life and a soul, and we thank you for that. We ask you to open us today, open, your, open our minds to your Holy Spirit. Let us hear the sweet music that is your constant call to us. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And you are a gift, John. 
just listening to your words and your prayers. Always such a gift. So uh, Craig mentioned we have with us today John Paul Von Arks. We are so thankful to have him joining us here in the family room. Talking about family room, John Paul grew up in a family of nine siblings, um, nine children. So he, does, he had eight siblings, I guess. So um, he grew up in Illinois, second of nine children. He started playing the guitar when he was very young, only about 11, and even started writing his own music by the time he was 15. And um, he currently served as the coordinator of worship at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Our listeners will be very familiar with Steubenville. Uh, he is married to Sarah. They've got a one-year-old daughter, Miriam Jane. And um, in addition to, as we said a few minutes ago, his Christian path with music and serving with Steubenville, both at Franciscan and also at Steubenville conferences all over the country. He also has another project called the Country Music Project, and he has played at venues all over the world, actually, to secular audiences as well. So, John Paul, we are so thankful. Thank you very much for joining us here in the family room. No, thank you, Mari. It's my pleasure to be with all you all, and uh, I'm I'm just grateful for this opportunity to like you said, just bear witness to the faith and also just uh, speak a little bit of light into the darkness. And uh, I believe any any platform like this is so necessary these days. So thank you for all that you do to give hope to people. I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. Thank you. Well, God bless you. We're great, glad that you're here. And before we dive in specifically to your music side of it and, and your writings and everything, um, we always like to talk about our journey in faith. You know, because everybody comes from different perspectives. And t so many times when you listen to Catholic radio, some people assume that, you know, everybody walked down this this primrose path of I've been Catholic my whole life and I never did anything wrong. You find the people that, you know, are surprised when you hear a guest, you know, may have a different um, pathway. And both are encouraging depending on, you know, how we view it. So love to hear about your family life, you know, growing up and maybe how your faith life is evolved over time and you know maybe how that works with you and your wife oh yeah that's a lot there uh, sorry yes i know <laughs> that's, that's a typical that's craig a question question. question sorry there's the gift of craig right there <laughs> that's awesome well um i'll begin to unpack and please feel free to uh, ask questions for clarification uh if, if you need to along the way but i grew up in rockford illinois uh, in the rockford diocese and uh like mari you, you said i i have um, eight siblings, so five sisters and three brothers. I'm the second, so I have an older brother, and then the rest are younger. Um, the youngest is Sam. Uh, he's he's almost 16 now, and he's uh, he has Down syndrome. Uh, he's he's all of our favorite sibling, as we unabashedly <laughs> say. Um, he's the best. Um, but so yeah, I grew up, and we grew up uh, uh, as a pretty close knit family. Uh, we were homeschooled. So, but my mom has her master's degree in education, and. Her undergrad was in chemistry and mathematics, so we we were on I'm sorry. a really tight schedule. So <laughs> we woke up at six every morning with embroidered uniforms. Vienna Academy is what she decided. Oh wow! Uh -huh. I kid you not. We we woke up. We had to wear our school uniforms. Go to six thirty mass. Uh, we were back home by seven fifteen, and by eight o'clock we 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 needed to have made breakfast for uh, you know a younger sibling we were paired with. And in, in the schoolroom, in our desks, with our clipboards and all of our assignments, ready to do our weekly poetry and, like, the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, my mom ran it. Like, we were so regimented. So she was super organized. Wow. That's that was amazing. my school experience. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty remarkable. I, 
It was a little embarrassing when you're in the middle of it, though. We were all like, Mom, are, do we seriously have to wear uniforms? Like, this, we're homeschooled. Like, this is so weird. Um, Actually, I want your sure. mom's email address. Yeah. My daughter's thinking about homeschool. I want your mom's email address. I'm actually thinking. I will give it to you. Okay. I actually want your mom on the show. I want to interview go. your mom for our show. John Paul, that Honestly, would be awesome. She would, she would crush it. She's awesome. She's super smart, and she's awesome. Yeah, she's great. I love my mom. <laughs> I didn't always love some of the things she implemented, like when we were in middle school or high school. It's like, Mom, you're you're going a little too crazy with this whole homeschooling thing. But at the, she just really, you know, cared about us so much and loved us so much. And honestly, it was just a lot to to take care of. You know, I mean, she had nine kids and she was homeschooling and lesson planning. She would mix and match her own curriculum. Uh, but the one thing about being homeschooled that has been in, invaluable for where I've ended up now as a, a 31 year old, um, in Ohio, uh, is, is like the extra time that I had. I mean, we, we, she didn't, she didn't let us get, a, get away with anything when it came to, you know, our, our academics, but we were done by noon mm-hmm. because we could, we could just plow through it. You know, we were on our own pace and didn't have to wait for a class to move back and forth. Um, we could, we could double up, we could really, um, kind of tailor our week's worth of work to what we needed it to be. But by noon, um, we had the whole afternoon to, to play with our siblings. Eventually I, I did a lot of like mowing lawns to make money and pay for guitars, but I was able to learn guitar in, in those afternoons where my other friends are at school still, there was kind of a natural level of I'm, I'm bored. So what am I going to do? I'm, I'm just going to pick up the guitar and play. And so that really uh, has served me so well. I mean, I've been playing music, professionally which just basically means in musician circles a professional musician is someone who gets paid to play music uh, it doesn't even mean you're good at it it means you're paid to do it so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if i hadn't started at a young age which i really and it, not that uh you know other other people going to traditional schools wouldn't have been able to play guitar but for me that was the time the extra time i had that uh, allowed me to, to really excel at playing guitar um, and that was awesome. So cradle Catholic, it sounds like your mother was, your family was very devout. Any periods of, mm-hmm. of digressing from that at all and coming back since you did go to Steubenville, maybe not, but. Yeah. Well, I, I would say that I've, I've always had a very strong faith. Um, you know, my parents lived a very simple and devout life and they always modeled everything that they, they spoke about it. They, you know, there was no discrepancy between, them striving to live out what they would teach us. And so all of my faith, uh, all of my siblings are faithful Catholics, which is such a gift, um, you know, but you know, I, it's, it's really such a gift. Um, and I, I never had like a, uh, a faith crisis. I definitely, you know, have struggled like on the hope side of things though. Like I, you know, I would be thrown into secular environments. I'm like, Lord, I know that you're there, but like, where where are you? How does all this mm-hmm. come together? And I think reconciling when you grow up with the faith um, and you have that really, really profound experience of the Lord or just that just knowing that, you know, that, you know, that he is and he's there and he's close. But then to reconcile that with the world and your lived experience and the way relationships have their own messy qualities, that was where. I struggled the most, I think, was just to reconcile those things, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a huge battle to fight. Um, 
I'm 58 so. and I still fight it. So thanks for <laughs> bringing that up because it's true. I mean, it's a, it's a very true statement. Well, and we're not promised we won't suffer. In fact, Christ invites us into his suffering, right? So it's, it's yes. such a paradox for us as believers and for anybody looking from the outside trying to see how, how that all works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for your candor on that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something about, you know, um, I've always, I've always just had a, a heart for, you know, as a product of my upbringing, a heart for people that, you know, don't have as much faith or have uh, a harder hand dealt to them. Um, you know, people that are living in impoverished communities. Like I love living in Steubenville because every, everywhere you look, there's it's mission turf. And that honestly gives me hope because I, I just, I find so much solace, um, just being Christ's hands and feet, you know, and even, even in high school, we used to, you know, get our friends and go, you know, pray outside the abortion clinics peacefully and just pray for the mothers and the fathers that they might have a change of heart. Um, so these type of, uh, you know, active ministries, um, just trying to be a light in the darkness is something I, I long for. And I think that because I, I, I've always been turned off by, uh, be, as, as someone who's been a part of the country music world, there's so many people that say, oh, I, I would never set foot in a church. I get struck by lightning, all these things. Mm. But there's this sense that you have to be perfect or so- something. I don't know what people are thinking, but it is the <laughs> sense that, oh, I'm unworthy to go in a church. But I'm like, dude, you obviously don't know Christians very well because none of them are worthy to go in a church by right. that yeah. standard either, you know. But we're we're all just beggars showing other beggars where to find the bread is, is kind of how, how I see it. You know, we're, we're not set apart, meaning like better than, so I feel very passionate and through country music and any music, just to, to bridge those gaps um, That's great. to say, Hey, we, we all need this. I need it. I'm yeah. not coming from a place of, Oh, I, yeah, I know the Lord, but it, I, I need the Lord. Actually, I need him every day. I need to, I need to embrace the daily call to conversion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One and done. Yeah. So. We're in the family room with uh, John Paul Von Arks. John is uh, John Paul is the coordinator of worship at Franciscan University in Steubenville, and and we're probably going to talk less about that and more about the music and and especially about one of his siblings, uh, Sam. So thanks, John Paul. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just listening to what you said. People say, "Oh, you pray, you must be holy," uh, and my response is, "I pray because I'm not, but I want to be." Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and um, and I and I think you captured that really well. Let's let's go deeper into the music piece of it, though. You talked about learning, having time, you know, and in, in, in with homeschooling to learn the guitar. And a lot of people learn the guitar. I think my brother learned how to play the guitar, but he, you won't find him anywhere <laughs> <laughs> that people are listening to. What, when did the love for music um, begin? And, and, and kind of talk about how it's led you and where it's led you. Yeah, I, I so I started playing piano when I was seven. And I didn't like it because I had to read sheet music, and I've always and a play-by-ear kind of guy. Um, and when I was 11, I picked up the guitar, and that's where things started to really click. So uh, based off of my knowledge of piano, uh, I figured out how to play guitar. And then when I was 14, I took a year of guitar lessons with an amazing guitar instructor. And in one year, he gave me, you know, I like to call it my toolbox. I didn't necessarily know how to use everything in there, mm-hmm. but he showed me what could be done with each one of the tools. But then I had to actually on my own, put the reps in and implement them. So by the time I was 15, 16, I started playing with our, our little family band. Uh, we were playing like oldies around town, uh, just getting used to playing in front of people. 
Uh, and that was a really great experience. But none of my other siblings wanted to do this like the same way that I wanted to do it, <laughs> even though most of them have musical gifts. Um, so except my one sister, who's who's now a dentist, but she's completely tone deaf. So thank God for <laughs> something else to, to do. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, so by the time I graduated high school, I was 18. Um, I went to one semester at the junior college just taking gen ed courses and I just felt so lost. I'm like, I don't know where I fit into the world or with my gifts and what I want. It's, it's a pretty typical 18 year old freshman in college, uh, type of, uh, little breakdown inside. But I applied to a band um, that I'd seen open for, um, another, you know, top 40 country band that I, I went to see a show and, uh, lo and behold, they responded to my email and said, yeah, we're looking for a lead guitar player. Send us a video of yourself playing to these three songs. I want you to see what you can do and um, set, them, set them my little demos. And a week later, I was playing full time. I was playing 120 nights a year wow. um, as an 18-year-old. Wow. And I did that through 20, 21 years old. And I, I played everywhere in the, the Midwest. I mean, it was a regionally based band, but we played all kinds of music festivals, um, bars, clubs, fairs, festivals. I mean, we played so many shows. And, and that's where, you know, my love for guitar went to, like, now I, I love actually entertaining people. I love everything that comes with production and live sound. And, um, yeah, we, we, I just, that's, that's what really bumped me to the next level. And I met some of my heroes, like Brad Paisley, along the way. Um, but there, it, it was all, it's all country music, which I'll always love. But the one thing that there was just an ache inside was, um, I was like, Lord, there's gotta be more than playing, playing music, you, you know, in, in country music, you know, it, they, even in the industry and when you're on the inside, they, you, you just know they're, they're hiring me to sell beer, to sell drinks. That's <laughs> what the venues do. Mm. Uh, Cause it's a business model. It's driven by business. And I, and I was just like, I, I don't want that to be what I do with my whole life. Um, I, I want to actually make a difference in people's lives. Not that you can't um, in those environments, but it doesn't come down to those environments. It comes down to like the reasons you do what you do and just kind of standing your ground. And so it was then that I began a long journey when I was about 20, 21. I stepped away from that band, which was a difficult decision, but I just realized like, Lord, I've, I've been in this group i've been traveling um i've been staying faithful to you but i'm getting like pretty lonely pretty beat up um mm -hmm. and i i need i need like a a group surrounding me and i need to spend time actually being formed like what what have you created me for and that's when i transferred out to franciscan um shortly thereafter within a year i decided i'm like i know that place uh, based off of my dad uh having gone to a few adult conferences here and um, and it just, it was, it was perfect. I moved in with a great group of guys who are still some of my, my best friends. And, um, it just kind of set the foundation for everything now that I've been doing. That's very cool. And it's cool how God answered that prayer that you had for community specifically, mm -hmm. um, and wanting to remain faithful to him. What's cool is now looking back. So we've got the big gift of jump years and you know 10 years now and we i can now look back and say okay that love that he put in your heart for country music for performers like brad paisley for that opportunity to play and be in front of people he's continuing to give you that gift even though you said okay i'm leaving that behind i'm going to go to franciscan but now we fast forward 
And he continues to give you that opportunity to straddle both the secular country music side as well as Christian music worlds. Um, I know you've got Country Music Project. And then, of course, you're, as we said, you're the music, you're, you're overseeing the music ministry at Franciscan. Tell us more about that, about how now God has honored um, that, mm. that your gifts, your giftings, and, and maybe that desire to be able to straddle both, both worlds a bit. Mm. No, thank you. Yeah, that's, uh, it's a great question. I, I, so I work yeah, here at Franciscan University. I didn't, um, I didn't work here the full time since graduating. I graduated with a catechetics degree, mm. uh, which is you know, communicating the faith, and which I, which I use every event, you know, whether <laughs> it's explicit or non-explicit, um, as far as church doctrine, um, etc. I'm so grateful for that program. It really did change my life. Uh, but then I went out on the road full time as a solo artist. Uh, for three years, between 17 until 2020. Uh, what could have happened in 2020 to a touring musician? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> all my events canceled. And so I called Father Dave Pavanka, the president of Franciscan, and I was, he's a friend of mine. And I said, Father Dave, I'm dating Sarah. She lives in Steubenville, and all of my events just canceled. So either I'm going to, you know, either I'm going to start working for Walmart Distribution Center out in the rural area, or you can make a job for me at Franciscan. I'd rather work for your mission, though, than just <laughs> any job just to make money. And the next day, one of the other friars at Franciscan University called me and said, hey, we have a position for you, uh, you know, helping run the music ministry program. And so my whole job as coordinator of worship um, is to, to run um, like, campus like a campus ministry program for the musically inclined. So I help mentor the students, but it's more than just mentoring them on the professional side of, of, you know, playing music, performing, leading worship. It's more than that. It's really, it's community based and it's all uh, based in uh, growing together, uh, mm. but listening to the Lord, how to listen to the Lord while in positions of leadership um, and just prepping students to be able to go out and be music ministers wherever that, you know, wherever they came from. So that's what I'm doing, you know, day in and day out. And that's, that's, I call it my jobby job, but I still play, tons of events on the weekends and I have a lot of flexibility in my schedule. So I, I supplement uh, my income and also just my experiences uh, by going out on the road quite a bit. Oh, that's very cool. Nice. It makes you busy in looking at what you've been doing. I was listening to you saying how you, you know, catechize as you're doing your events and things like that, which is awesome. And um, on Catholic radio, that sounds wonderful. But we always like we always like some uh, actual stories of how you were able to do that in those kind of events because you said over 120 nights. You know, I think you mentioned that 100,000 people. You know, with with the different festivals you did or whatever. You know, what opportunities did God present you, and can you give a specific story on something that you know would be very mm. practical for people to hear? Mm. Well, so in that early band, the one I mentioned that I, I, I that was kind of the beginning of my professional music career um i was a, a a member of the band so i played lead guitar so i i actually didn't sing much at all um so as a, a a band member without a microphone um i didn't do a lot of explicit like you would say evangelizing from the microphone but i had um before the shows after the shows everything in between it's all how how do you carry yourself who are you how do you speak how do you not speak mm -hmm. and I literally have just so many interactions. I mean, there's one, there's this bartender 
who we played at this a venue, you know, pretty regularly, you know, maybe five, six times a year. It just kind of hit our schedule quite a bit. And so you get to know the people that work at all these places because you're there early and you're there late when everyone else is cleared out. So mm-hmm. as they're cleaning up and you're knocking this, everything down um, with the band and the, the production and and there's this one one lady, and I remember her distinctly, and I remember finding out that she was Catholic. Um, but you could tell that when she found out that I was Catholic, she talked to me a little bit differently and said, oh, well, how are you here? Like maybe the way that she was carrying herself wouldn't suggest that she was Christian or the way that she would dress wouldn't suggest or, you know, there's just uh, you can just kind of tell. But then when she found that out. It's almost like everything just faded and she just was a person, you know, and I remember, you know, having this conversation about, you know, dating with her, not, not that there was any interest between the two of us, but I was like, you know, you're a bartender at this place. You're getting tons of unsolicited, you know, attention from men that probably isn't that appreciated. Do you ever feel objectified? You know, like those type of things. And I, I eventually, we had just an amazing conversation about, you know, our worth, our dignity and what Mm -hmm. we're made for. Okay. And I ended up sending her um, like one of Jason Everett's books. I, like, <laughs> oh my gosh! There was another story. I was at a, a, a country music fest. It's country. We were playing at Country Thunder in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. Huge four-day music festival. Super fun. Super crazy. So it's Thursday through Sunday. Sunday morning, we all went to church. Or you know, the, the, the Catholics. But that was like thirty people, twenty-five, thirty people in this little Catholic church in the middle of nowhere. And everyone knew that we were from the music festival because we had, like, the all-access pass on our wrist. I remember stepping out of the church afterwards and being like, hey, we're all the Catholics in the country music <laughs> fest, you know? But there were thousands of people there, and it was one of those moments where you're like, where is everyone? I, I know there's more more Catholics, that, but this is the closest church. Like, no one's here. That's that's kind of sad. And um, eventually we were talking, and, and one, of the, the, like the, one of the moms of the group was mostly younger people. She ended up sharing, um, I saw her shirt, and it had like a, like a death date on it. You know, it was like RIP instead of name. And she said, yeah, that's actually my son. Uh, and this is the date that he passed away, you know, like, I, I forgot, it was like a few years before. And so we, you know, pray for him at Mass. And, and I remember um, just being so struck by that. And then they came to our show that night. And that was one night that I, I remember I bought a bouquet of flowers. I knew they were going to be there. And then I, I had a microphone that night, and I just asked the rest of the band just to pause for a second. I wanted to honor someone. And we, we had the whole crowd um, just honor her, and we gave her, like, a bouquet of flowers oh, on the beautiful. anniversary of her son's passing. But that all happened because we were in church that morning. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? So it, I'd like to say it was, like, these huge moments, and it just everyone was like, praise you, Lord, hallelujah, like the whole venue <laughs> gives their life to the Lord, but practically speaking, it's the individual uh, little interactions, you know, that you could have regardless of whether you play in a band or not. You don't need a platform to do that. Uh, you just have to be convinced of it yourself. Oh, great. How, story. Yeah, very encouraging. And that's how um, Jesus came to, right, to each individual. Um, so listeners, we are here in the family room with John Paul Von Arks. We will be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite, right after this. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. St. Pope John Paul II said, The root of the culture of death is our inordinate preoccupation with efficiency. In today's culture, we value doing over being. 
we are defined by what we do instead of who we are as precious children of God, made in His image. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops says this about life. We proclaim that human life is a precious gift from God, that each person who receives this gift has responsibilities toward God, self, and others, and that society, through its laws and social institutions, must protect and nurture human life at every stage of its existence, from natural conception to natural death. Please take every opportunity you can to respect and affirm the value of all human life, from womb to tomb. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is Father Michael Silloway from Christ Our King and Savior Catholic Church in Greensboro, Georgia. And the Sushi Pay prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola is one of my favorites. Please join me in praying it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace, and that will be enough for me. Amen. This is Al Cresta from Cresta in the Afternoon. Catholic Radio provides many services and functions. It first of all edifies, it builds up the saints. It educates and exhorts, it keeps us doing good works. It encourages us when we need consolation. It engages the culture around us and it also evangelizes the unbaptized and does the new evangelization for the baptized. This is your home and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps shows like Crested in the Afternoon stay on the air and be available in your area. So no matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of our Catholic radio family. Prayerfully consider making a gift right now, and we'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. One day I asked myself, if I reconnected with God and went to church, how would my life change? So I did, and I found real answers and peace. You can too. Find what you've been missing at catholicscomehome.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Verse Sprite on AM 1160, The Quest. We're back with John Paul Von Arks, who's been talking about his uh, music life and also talking about how he's ministering through it just in, in normal, everyday places, because he's not just doing Christian work, he's doing country music, and he, and he ministers there, too. So before uh, John Paul, we continue to go down the music path. We got to know, though, growing up, you got a lot of siblings. You have a unique background. You're, you're married to Sarah. You have a, a beautiful daughter, Miriam Jane. If you were to answer, what was your favorite favorite family room memory? Mm. What automatically comes to mind without too much thinking? Like, what's on your heart? Um, two things. Like, in my childhood, my favorite memory with my siblings um, would be definitely when we'd go up to my, my grandparents had a small lake cottage up in Wisconsin. Um, we lived in Illinois. So we'd go up there and just spend long days in the summer swimming and just playing together. I loved those memories with my family. Uh, that was just, we loved the water. And when I think of my favorite childhood memories, it's that. Uh, but now being an, an adult officially, um, <laughs> um, it happens. Years, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it, it catches up with you, I guess. Uh, but I, 
I, I got married two years ago to Sarah, um, who I met here in Steubenville, Ohio, and she's incredible. And we have a one-year-old daughter now. But just to make those uh, family memories. I mean, just this year, um, Miriam, Miriam Jane, my daughter, she's a little bit older than one now. And she, she just loves the Christmas tree. We just set it up and, uh, it was so cool. Like I, I felt like I was reliving my very first love for Christmas through her little excitement. And, and I, I love, I love that because, um, it's almost like I felt for so many years that like childlike love for Christmas or like those type of things would kind of fade. And, um, I'm like, oh, I wonder if it would ever be that way again or just nostalgia. But now it's like you're reliving it again, and it's so awesome. I, I love being a dad. It's great. <laughs> That's great. God bless you. And that Dale. is awesome. Now, John Paul, before the break, we were talking about different ways that you ministered to others. It was so good to hear about the you know the scenario you shared with the, with the mom whose, whose child had passed away and, and how you honored her. But music has also ministered to you or been an aid to you, particularly in times of grief and in times of loss. Maybe share a little bit with our listeners about your maybe your brother Max and, and how music mm -hmm. carried you through that. Uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, uh, so just uh, what John is alluding to is uh, my, my brother Max um, passed away in a, in a hiking accident in the fall of 2017. So it was the same year I graduated from Franciscan. And he was actually a freshman at Franciscan. Mm. Um, and it was on his fall break that he, uh, he, he, he died tragically in a hiking accident at Harper's Ferry um, in, in Maryland. And uh, he was with um, a group of his friends from Franciscan. But it, it was in, through the experience of grief in, in losing him, who he was one of my best friends. Um, he, he was always playing drums. We played a lot together. He, mm. uh, he and I had a lot of common, a lot in common, similar personalities. And, um, so losing him was, I, I guess the, the way I would describe it is just, I felt very violated or robbed of something mm. that I just had a sense that was just part of my life and such a big part of my life. And when that was just uh, gone in, in a moment, um, when he, when he passed, I was such a visceral, um, it was such a visceral and violating feeling. Um, I just, I was super angry. Um, just a lot, lot came of it. I, I'm the one who got the call too. So I had to, you know, tell my parents, uh, mm -hmm. and, and there was just such a, I just, I was just so angry, you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, Lord, how, how, how does this work? Like, I don't doubt that you have a plan and that you're good, but like, I don't even, I can't even, I couldn't conjure up like a, a hallmark line or a, a, a kind thought in my, my head, you know, for those, those months that followed if I tried. Um, but it, you know, music has been a way that I've always connected with other people, uh, really profoundly. And I remember, um, I still was playing music. I played an event in, in Wheeling, West Virginia, and actually drove up to spend the night in Steubenville. This was a couple months after he passed. And it was just in this heavy, heavy grief, missing him, a lot of anger, as I stated. Um, and I just, I had like this, 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 such a strong temptation just to be like, why do you even try? You know, like just mm -hmm. numb this anyway, you know, like I, I, you know, have a foot in the secular world and I know what everyone does to numb their pain. And, you know, I'd see the places on the side of the road that just, you know, with flashing signs and you're like, yo, you know, you could just stop in and just forget everything, you know? And, and I just remember saying like, Lord, I don't know if I can hold on much longer. I just, just, I feel broken down. Um, but I'm going to give you one more chance. And I remember going and I sat outside of the church and, uh, 
It was actually the chapel on campus, and it was like 2 in the morning, and it was locked, and it was snowing. Uh, it was really cold, and I just sat outside of the the church, and and I and again I, I couldn't I couldn't conjure up any sort of positive feelings or kind thoughts really. I didn't like being in churches because I, I just I just had such a visceral reaction. I'm like, is it doesn't seem like people care about this or I don't know. I just I was in a really rough place, but at that moment I just was washed over with with this profound personal. Um, presence of Christ, but it was like it manifested as kindness. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm getting choked up because at a time where you just are so broken down and, and so beside yourself uh, to experience just kindness, it, it's not like the pain went away, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I wasn't alone in it and it wasn't arbitrary and there wasn't like a meaninglessness in it. And it gave me just enough, you know, to hang on to, to cling on to, to to just to keep moving forward and say, all right, Lord, I'm staying in the game. Like I'm with you. Or more importantly, I know that you're actually like actually with me mm-hmm. in, in my, you know, like lowest times. Um, and then again, I still struggled immensely um, with the process of grief and uh, missing, you know, my, one of my best friends in the whole world, my brother. And, uh, but it, it's like the Lord has said, Hey, I'm, I'm with you in this, you know, I'm with you. And that just, yeah, that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And you actually even wrote a song, right? Um, was there a song called Breakthrough, I think? Yeah, the song Breakthrough. And the, the, the funny thing about Breakthrough is I wrote it just a couple months before he passed away. So mm-hmm. it was before he passed away, but I just was, I was in my room one day and I was like, I don't know why, but that song just poured out of me. And, and I just, I felt like the sense of heaviness or grief. And I'm like, I'm going to write this for someone mm-hmm. Who, who's grieving, even though I hadn't really gone any, through anything like that. But it was just such a powerful moment. And it, it just came, like I said, in 20 minutes, the whole song was written. And um, I recorded it, uh, released it. And next thing you know, it, the, the whole premise of the song is like, Lord, break through to me. Um, and it's just an honest prayer from a man that's like, I don't have it put together. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm not even proud of where I'm at. I'm not proud. My 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 prayers don't sound... Uh, maybe something you'd ever want to publish, but they're honest. And I play that song at venues all the time and, and just say, Hey, if this is you tonight, you know, this song goes out to you, you know, just make an honest prayer. I think those are the only ones that um, really, really matter as they have to come from the heart. And in, in a, in a churchy environment or a conference or whatnot, I would say, you know, quote the catechism and that's uh, the fourth pillar. It's if the heart is far from God, then the words of prayer are in vain. So our, our heart has to be invested, and music helps us pray. But that song is just all about praying from an honest place. And it just seemed like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it just was like a gift to me because it perfectly encapsulated what what that was like to pray at a time when I didn't feel like I knew how to pray well. And yeah. uh, so it's great to be able to share that with others. So yeah, Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, definitely. We really appreciate your your. Um, willingness to be so intimate, you know, and candid with that. And I'm sure people can relate to what you're going through because suffering is a universal experience Mm. and grief is a universal experience. And how wonderful that we have a God outside of time and space that he knew that what he inspired you to write before Max passed away would be what he would then turn around and allow you to use, to hear, to Mm. experience, to heal. Um, part of what mm. you were going through as well. 
and and I just I also just love the um, the thought of you were angry, you were mad, you were angry, and some people are say, you know think oh we can't be angry with God we've got a big God he can deal with it and how did he respond right you know when when we're angry at our yeah. parents unfortunately as parents we know yeah. sometimes if our kids are angry at us we get angry right back but how did your our loving amazing God respond to your anger he responded with kindness. And that's yeah. what your heart needed. And that's just, that's so beautiful. I'm going to get choked up too. That's so incredibly beautiful there. It is. And we're right now we're recording this and it's Advent. And um, it's just listening to you, John Paul, is, you know, how God used breakthrough for you. This, that's our Advent, right? Every yeah. year he gives mm-hmm. us this time. He's preparing us. He knows what's coming ahead in, in the following mm-hmm. year, good, bad, and indifferent. And so it's our time to be ready for him to be in our lives. And yeah. so this, this mm. is powerful that you shared that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and that's what Jesus did too, right? He yeah. broke through. He yeah. broke through time and space and into our human, mm. our humanity. Um, so it's so clear that God's used your gifts. He uses your life experience in very special ways to reach specific audiences where, whether it's what you just said, audiences of people who are dealing with grief, who are dealing with a feeling of hopelessness or just not understanding where God is in a situation. But recently um, you've been able to reach a very specific audience, those whose lives have been touched by Down syndrome. Um, would you break open that experience for us? I think that's it's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things about music is it just it's it just connects people on a heart level. Um, and you can it, it, you know, you can you can kind of go there with some topics that it might be a little bit more difficult to speak about um, and have the same emotional impact. But when you're when you sing a song, the way melodies are composed and the way hearts interact with them, I mean, it you're, you're able to actually paint a picture and everyone's having the same experience. And that's something that is difficult to do with just words. So the power of music is something I try not to take for granted. But one of the one of the people that's affected my life the most for the for 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 good and for for the better is is my brother Sam. And I often say he's my younger brother, so I often say I look up to my little brother. <laughs> um, he's 16 and he has Down syndrome. You know, he has an extra chromosome, and he was born when I was 14 years old. So I was a freshman in high school, and there's just something about having a brother with Down syndrome where just it is the best experience. I mean, he he doesn't know what it is to overthink things. Um, he doesn't judge people by like their bank accounts, the type of shoes they wear, or who they're friends with, who they're not friends with. You know, I mean, he's he's so free. He he doesn't care what people think. He'll just go and start dancing. I'm like, dude, I feel so awkward if I try to dance, <laughs> even though I I'm a musician. Doesn't mean I can dance. You know. Um, <laughs> It, it, but he just doesn't care. You know, he, it's just, it's so awesome. It's just so refreshing. So I wrote a song called He's Different because I wanted to give, um, you know, the the wider world an insight into, yes, of course he's different. He has Down syndrome. And they say, you know, with Down syndrome, your diagnosis is on your face. You can tell if someone has, you know, Down syndrome um, because the, the bridge of their nose is a little wider typically or just different physical characteristics. So. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, we all see them as different, maybe hear them as different. But when you have a brother who has Down syndrome or a sister or a sibling or a whatever, um, niece or nephew, you experience them and you're like, wow, they're actually different in ways that I could only hope to aspire to be more mm-hmm. like them. And my brother lives the gospel with more or just more effectively than any person I've ever met. And he doesn't even try, which actually is kind of annoying, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I like, like the honesty. Like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so uh yeah i i wrote this song to try to try to bridge that gap a little bit um and, and that's a really beautiful thing and then on the other side is our culture doesn't uphold the dignity of of life well um and especially when it comes to down syndrome and and uh of course nothing's wrong with genetic testing but um more often than not with down syndrome it's used in utero um you know to give you know, people to, to pressure, really, to pressure parents into to getting an abortion. And so I, I don't have the exact stats, but I've heard estimates up to 90% of of babies in utero that they do genetic testing for that come positive for Down syndrome are, are aborted. And mm-hmm. I wanted this song in this music video more specifically um, to give hope to expectant parents, you know. So that's why that's we, awesome. we pumped it out there, just to try to bridge that gap a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're going to play a clip from your song um, so that our listeners can hear it. We'll also have a link in our show notes to the music video so they can see that as well. Folks, you're in the family room uh, with John Marion Craig and John Paul Von Ark talking about uh, his music and the impact it has on the society around him. And you're talking about your brother with Down syndrome. It brings back memories when uh, we had a hard time conceiving and when Kelly got pregnant back in the day when the doctor would actually call you and they did one of the testings and he was like, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. You know, there's there's a chance that your, your child could be uh, Down syndrome or whatever. And I was traveling on business with a friend of mine, and I told him. It was funny because he didn't say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But he was like, dude, that's awesome. Those are the best kids ever. Have you ever been around those kids? They're so blah, 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 blah. It's like, Lord, you know, thank God for a friend like that that, that would do that. That is awesome. And to your point, you know, we want to point this stuff out for, for perfect children when, in mm-hmm. fact, you know, perfection as you say in your song, you know, he's different. Perfection comes in very different wrappings. Have you had much of a reaction? And what kind of surprises may, may you have, have gotten through all this? Uh, so many. Um, so the song's been released for a few years, but then uh, it's kind of in the midst of COVID. So I had to um, kind of readjust how I released music for a little while. And I got married. And so I put the brakes on um the music video that i did for he's different and that's the song and that's the one i think that has a lot of punch to it in the sense that there's there's like this visual and audio together and they actually see my brother and the dynamic between us just as brothers doing normal things and the the, i wasn't i knew that the song there was something really special to it but i i wasn't really prepared for um just the amount of messages or emails we got um from people that I've never met before. And it was just a really touching experience. The two, the two demographics that um, were, were really moving. I, I wasn't anticipating, I, I just, I didn't know what I'd, what I'd receive for, for input, but um, the first is um, older, older folks who had since lost a sibling or a son or daughter with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And this video just was like, oh my gosh, they, they would send these long emails just saying in these memories and they're the best and you can look forward to this part of, your brother as he gets older and 
it was so beautiful to, to hear them reminisce. And this video brought back so many memories, uh, really fond memories of their loved one with Down syndrome. And then the second group, which really, you know, I just get choked up when I think because this was the whole driving force for the song was to give hope uh, to expectant parents. But the first year parents, those are the ones I've heard a lot from saying this year has been uh, so difficult. And we, you know, for, for, for me and my wife or me and my husband, and we don't know how this is going to look. There's just so much uncertainty. There's a lot of fear and, and we love our son or daughter, but who knows what life's going to look like. And there's just so many uncertainty factors. And so the song just kind of, uh, it really blessed them and gave them hope saying, Oh, this is actually really beautiful. And yes, it's hard. And, and no, it's definitely not convenient, especially as they get a little older. Um, but it is so beautiful and it's so good. It really brings our family together, you know? So it's fine. And again, there's a, you know, if I could remember the name of the movie on pure flicks, there was a story about, um, a rodeo rider who, family issues he was an angry dude but his, he had a little brother that had down syndrome and um the interaction between the two of them uh was beautiful because it's, it's, it's kind of what you're talking about you know the older brother's mad because dad left him through divorce and the younger brother's like yo dude what are you doing come on dad's here and you know we're gonna hang out together and you know there was not that that intellectual i should be hurt and whatever and I mean, listening to you, it sounds like the movie. I mean, I, I, I wish I could remember it so you could go watch it. Beautiful story and how this mm. kid was just happy all the time. Brother, we're decorating. Brother, I want to see your girlfriend. I mean, you know, just amazing, amazing interaction between the two of them. So um, yeah. I actually look forward to watching your video again and, and listening to the song again. Mm. I, I did it uh, recently and I want to do it again. It is. It's beautiful and amazing. So thanks for thanks for putting that Thank out you. there. Yeah. And Thank I you. Yeah. And one of the points that Sam, um, when Max passed away, as we mentioned earlier, um, Sam, he shared a room with Max. They were really close. And, and when he passed away, um, and that's a shared experience, right? We both lost a brother. Um, Sam seems to, to grieve with just so much grace. And, and he was close to Max. You know, they shared a room, like I said. And, and when he passed away, I mean, Sam had a moment where he realized and he broke down and he cried. And I remember holding him and and it was about 10 minutes, and then he he just moved on. Mm -hmm. And he still talks about Max. With He's like, yeah, Max is so happy. <laughs> or every time we pass the YMCA where Max used to work, he's like, Max, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, man, like... <laughs> it's just not fair, man. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted uh, to talk a little bit about the Down syndrome, but, but John Paul, honestly, when I watched your video... Craig, as you say, it was moving. It was awesome to see the relationship between you and Sam. But what really pricked my heart when you said he's different was a challenge just for me personally. I don't have a problem understanding folks with Down syndrome. My challenge are the people who don't. Yeah. And, and the challenge to me was that person who's got no extra chromosomes that you work with or that person that that's done something to you that you can't forgive. He's different. And your music challenged me to think the same way, just about people in general. They're different. And that doesn't make them wrong or they're just different. And they are part of God's loving plan. So for me personally, the song did everything that I think you wanted it to do from a Down syndrome perspective. But it really, I would encourage folks just to go listen to the song and just 
go listen to it quietly with an open mind and an open heart. It's it's a it's an awesome piece of work, John Paul. Thank you. Thank you, John. That's really moving to hear. Thank you. Uh, it's it was really great. It probably also debunked so just some misunderstandings about folks with Down syndrome. What kind of feedback have you gotten about that? It's mostly just general saying like, "Wow, I just I didn't realize, you know, just how." how beautiful like a sibling dynamic could be, or um, there's actually something that's a little bit different. I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of parents that advocate in such a beautiful and wonderful way for their sons or daughters with Down syndrome, but not so many times do you hear it for, from like the, the perspective of a sibling. And so mm-hmm. uh, actually a lot of parents said, wow, that's so beautiful. Um, but actually um, similar to you, Craig, I've heard from at least five or six parents that said, hey, we were, were pregnant and they, the doctor said there's a strong chance you're going to have a baby with Down syndrome. They were really moved by that. They're like, well, I still remember exactly what that call was like and exactly how I felt. It, just like you said, I think it's a pretty a way more common experience than we think. Uh, again, each one of them had been actively pressured to yeah. eliminate the problem, so to speak, uh, to have an abortion. And, and so to be honest with you, John, I think it just it shows people like, wow, this is, um, their lives matter. Like their lives are so good. And, and honestly, <laughs> that's amazing. I, I couldn't have asked for any more, you know, for this song. I, well, I'm so honored to be in that space. Statistically, real quickly, the percentage of false positives on that test is exceedingly high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are plenty yeah. of non-Down syndrome babies being aborted based on mm-hmm. this information. And it's it's yeah. awful. It's awful that we're we're doing that to our kids. As I listen to you, to John Paul, just the hope that comes through your music, the hope that comes through Sam himself, and what a gift that is to the world. And that there are countries, you and I talked about this, countries like Iceland who believe they've cured Down syndrome. They haven't cured. Right. They just abort a hundred percent of their Down syndrome children, which is mm-hmm. heartbreaking to hear. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just listeners, just realize there's so much hope and our God gives us hope in so many beautiful ways. And whether it's through mm-hmm. music, through a child with Down syndrome, you can fight for that. And um, mm-hmm. so would you do us the honor of praying and closing us out in prayer, John Paul? Oh, I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A good and loving God, thank you so much for the gift of our lives. Uh, thank you for the gift of today. Thank you for each and every blessing you've given us, Lord. I just ask for the strength, the courage, the grace to love well and to be ambassadors of light in a world of darkness. Uh, Lord Jesus, we are nothing without you, Lord. We cling to you and we accept your loving kindness and your mercy. Please sustain us. Um, And Mary, I just consecrate uh, anyone listening to you and to their, their loved ones to you, their endeavors to you as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. John Paul Von Arks, thank you so much for being with us today. Listeners, go out and get his music, and you will have links to that on our show notes. And be with us here again next week in the Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room. Sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.